Hey everyone, so welcome back to the podcast. So I hope the audio um, might be a little bit better today. I've got a new mic, um, so if you guys want to just kind of let me know if this is better, if this is worse, how you feel about it, um, just let me know. So today's episode, um, I'm going to talk about birth control. So this might not be um, an episode for the guys, um, if if I have any guy listeners, but I thought it was a good thing to kind of just touch on because it has been something that has caused um, some issues like with my mental health during my life. So I just thought um, I would kind of educate um, maybe anybody who is younger or who doesn't necessarily know much about birth control. I want to put a little disclaimer here. I'm not a doctor. I'm not knowledge of the things that I've learned throughout my life um, about birth control. So I'm mostly just going to talk about the types of birth control, um, kind of my experience with birth control, um, how it affected my mental health, why it affects mental health, just some different things like that. So um, yeah, so I guess I'll just get into it. So one of the first things I'll talk about is the different types of birth control. So there are a few main types. I'm gonna talk about the ones that I know about. Um, I'm pretty sure there are definitely more, but these ones that I know about are like the main types um, of birth control. So first thing I'll talk about would be the hormonal IUD. So an IUD um, is called an intrauterine device. It's a little T-shaped plastic um, device um, and it goes into your, um, it sits in your cervix. You can't feel it. It has these little wire kind of strings that hang out. Sometimes if you like stick your finger up there, you can feel the strings, but it's not uncomfortable. Um, it's not uncomfortable when you have sex. It's it's nothing nothing like that. You can barely feel it. It's very small. But the hormonal IUD, the one that I know um, or that I've used that I know quite a bit about, um, is called the Morena. I'm pretty sure there are other brands, but the Morena is the most popular that I've heard of. So what happens with a hormonal IUD? So it sits in the cervix and it releases a hormone called progestin, which it twin or it, sorry, it thins the uterine lining, um, and then it thickens the cervical mucus to prevent sperm from fertilizing the egg. So on this, um, it really depends on the person. Um, I had this for I'm I'm just a little bit weary of that, so I got mine out after five years. It is quite expensive, so. Um, I'm in Canada, depending on if you have medical coverage. When I first got it in, I had medical coverage, so um, it only cost me, I think, about like a hundred bucks to get it done or to for like the prescription. Um, but if you have no coverage, I think it's around like four or five hundred dollars. So it is it is an expensive thing, but there are pros and there are cons about it. So it does last for five years, so you don't have to worry about anything like that for five years. And one of the good things is a lot of people don't get a period on it. So I didn't get a period, which I, I guess, quite, I enjoyed. Um, I enjoyed most of the time because periods suck. But then there's also, like, sometimes there's a worry that it's like, oh, no, I'm not getting a period. Am I pregnant? But that, like, 
the IUD, I believe, is like 95%, not close to 99% actually effective. So m most times you're not going to be pregnant, but there are exceptions. So um, if you feel like you might be pregnant, um, just it doesn't hurt to take a test. But with the hormonal IUD, most people don't get a period. Some do. If they do, it'll be very light, just like spotting and things like that. It won't be like a heavy flow period like normal. So the next option would be a copper IUD. So this is the same type of thing. So it looks exactly the same. It's T-shaped. It's plastic. But this one is cupboard, cupboard, covered in copper wire. So, um, the <clears throat> most common brand name for this one would be Paragard, that I know about, anyway. Um, and so, the copper wire um, that is wrapped around it, it causes an inflammatory reaction in your um, uterus, which is toxic to the sperm and the egg. Um, so, it just, it causes it to not fertilize. It doesn't have any hormones in it. This is good and bad at the same time. Um... It is a toxic reaction in your body, so sometimes it's, it is iffy, but um, this one is actually good for 10 years, so you can keep it in for 10 years, but with this one, you get a period. Um, so because this one doesn't have any hormones in it, you will still get a period. Um, I'm not exactly sure how heavy the period will be, if it'll be heavier. I've never had this before, so I'm just going on my research, but I have heard some people say that with a copper IUD, you actually tend to get worse cramps. So like when you get your period, you do get worse cramps. So it, it kind of all depends. Um, I think this one is actually really good for people who have endometriosis. That's just like what I've heard, but I'm not, again, I'm not 100% sure. So I do recommend doing your research. So that's the second one. So the third one is probably the most common um, that, that people people get, um, which is the birth control pill. So there's many different options with this one, and it has different levels of hormones. So um, in the birth control pill, there are usually two types of hormones. So there's progestin, um, which is the one that was in the hormonal IUD, and then there's also estrogen. So estrogen is the, the main hormone that we have in our body. It gives you the right amount of hormones that you need every day based on what stage you're in um, and then usually there are 21 day packs and then 28 day packs so on the 21 days you only take the pills that have the hormones in it and then you're off of them for a week but with the 28 day packs um, you have all of those those 21 days um, that have the hormones in it but then you also have i think seven sugar pills so the the days that you're on your period you take those sugar pills. There are different levels of hormone hormones in different brands of pills as well. I will talk about kind of mental health and how that how that affects your mental health a little bit later. But just um, keep in mind that there are different levels of estrogen and different levels of progestin in different brands of pills. The next option would be the patch. So the patch has hormones in it, um, and it releases hormones through your skin. So again, this works the exact same way as the hormonal IUD would. So it thickens the cervical mucus in, in your cervix, um, thins the uterine lining, causes the sperm not to fertilize the egg. So this is usually worn on your stomach, your bum, your back, or your upper arm. And this is changed once a week, and this is 91% effective. 
Um, I've never used the patch, so I don't exactly know much about it, but that again is just kind of what I found on my research. And then the last option that I know about would be the needle, the birth control needle. So this is done once a month and it is called Depo Provera. Again, with most of these, I know with the birth control pill, they are meant to give you a period. So um, on the seven days like that you either don't take the pills or you take those sugar pills, you're going to get a period. Um, with the copper IUD, you still get a period. Hormonal IUD, it depends on the person. But with the patch and the needle, I'm not 100% sure on if you will get a period. It, again, it depends on the person. So my sister, um, she was on the needle and she doesn't get a period. Um, but that doesn't mean that you won't get a period. It really just depends on your body and how it reacts to it. So those are the different types of birth control. All right, so now um, we'll just talk about kind of my experience with birth control and just the mental health interactions with it and things like that. So my experience, I didn't go on birth control until I was like 18 or 19. As you know, in my last episodes, um, I didn't lose my virginity until I was like 16, so I didn't need it. Um, but that's not the only reason to go on birth control as well. Um, there are a lot of other benefits of birth control as well. People with, um, with really heavy periods um, or irregular periods, you can go on birth control and it can help regulate you um, and make them less heavy. Um, some people can have like low hemoglobin because they bleed too much during their period and that can help with that. So there are a lot of different benefits of birth control. So if you are having issues with your period, I do recommend talking to your doctor about it because um, birth control could be a good option for you. Um, mental health as well is a big thing. So for me, um, when I was on the birth control pill at first, um, I was on um, the brand name Mervala. It was good, like it protected me um, and it was... It wasn't bad, like it didn't cause me a lot of distress, but I did notice that it made my depression a little bit worse. So this can actually happen because depending on the, at the time I didn't know this, I do know this now. Um, so the birth control I'm on now is Alicina. So Alicina actually has a lower amount of estrogen in it, so that makes it better for somebody who um, would have like a mental health disorder because if there's more estrogen, it can affect you more mentally um, just because it does go through the bloodstream. So these hormones, um, when you take them orally, do go through your bloodstream. So the birth control pill, as well as the patch and the needle, all of these go through your bloodstream. So it makes the, the hormones go through your bloodstream and this can cause other issues. So that's why the, it can cause mental health issues. The hormonal IUD and the copper IUD, um, the copper IUD has no hormones, so you don't have to worry about that at all. But the hormonal IUD, the hormones are local, so they don't go through your bloodstream, so they won't affect your mental health as much. Um, because it's such a small amount of hormones and it and it doesn't it can't get to to places to to affect your mental health it, it's only affecting your uterus so yeah um but my family doctor told me that any birth control pill 
with less estrogen in it is usually better for somebody who has mental health issues um, because it, it can cause like worse depression or anxiety or things like that. So that might be something that you have to kind of experiment with and talk with your doctor about it. So when I was on the pill, um, I was on that, I think, for a few years and it just it caused my depression to be worse. So I came off of it. And then my next option, I had talked to my doctor about it, and he recommended the IUD. So the hormonal IUD, the Mirena. Um, so I got that that put in, um, and that that wasn't bad. Um, it, it helped me, and it protected me and stuff like that. And I didn't notice much problems with my mental health. Um, I mean, other than the normal problems with my mental health, but it didn't exacerbate it at all. Um, so... Yeah, so I recently got that out probably two, three months ago. So I got that out. Um, and at this time right now, I can't really afford the hormonal IUD. Um, so I went back on birth control. My doctor, again, recommended the Allicina, which has a little less estrogen in it, blah, blah, blah. So that's what I'm on now. And I haven't really been noticing, like, too much. It actually... I was off birth control, like any form of birth control, for a couple of months there, and I <laughs> am not good off of birth control. Um, like, with with my moods, my mood swings, um, having depression and OCD and anxiety, um, it causes me just having that fluctuation in hormones at that time of the month really causes me a lot of mood issues. So like I'm crying and I'm like angry for probably like five days. And this is way worse than what I am normally. So I noticed that once I went back on birth control, my fluctuation in mood wasn't as bad at all, which I'm so happy for <laughs> because that was hard as hell. Like it was, I, I just remember being at work one day and I couldn't stop myself. Like I, I didn't, I didn't want to, to have to go home or like, I didn't want to be emotional or I just wanted to focus, but like it just made everything so much worse and I couldn't focus on anything and I just wanted to cry. It was, yeah, it was bad. So that's another thing that like I recommend birth control for. If you have really bad PMS or like pre-menstrual syndrome where you have a lot of mood fluctuation, um, it personally, it, it has helped a lot for me. So if you do have those issues, again, I recommend talking to your doctor and see maybe birth control might be a good option for you. So um, that's kind of my experiment or exper experience um, with birth control. So now I just kind of want to talk a little bit about your sexual health, maybe, I guess, three years now. So I guess I wanted to talk a little bit about my experience with abnormal paps because um, I, I don't think there's enough people talking about it and I actually had an abnormal pap recently and um, it was really scary so it is something that is pretty normal um, I didn't know at the time that it was as normal as it is to have an abnormal pap um, to be honest, I thought I would go through my whole life just having normal paps and never, you never think that it's going to happen to you, but then you go and 
it comes back abnormal and you're like, huh, well, what does this mean? So it's like I th- your first reaction when someone says that you have an abnormal pap is like, fuck, I have cervical cancer. But that's not what that means. Um, I guess I'm going to kind of just explain and walk you through what happens when you get an abnormal pap. So when I got my abnormal pap, um, my family doctor called me. Um, and he said that they wanted to send me for what they call a colposcopy. Um, so what that is, is you'll go in to see your gynecologist and they will, um, dilate your cervix and they will pretty much just look at your cervix and see, like, if some of the cells look different, um, they will do what's called a biopsy. Um, so when you think of biopsy, you think cancer but that, that's not that, that's not it at all. So they take, um, for me, at least it was three biopsies. So they take one from like the upper part, the side part, and then like going into kind of your uterus, like where, where it would, um, meet your uterus kind of thing. And so they test all of those cells. So they'll send it to the lab so that those cells can get tested to see exactly how abnormal those cells are. So the colposcopy, I'm not going to lie to you, it is uncomfortable. I was really scared. I had one of my friends come with me. I was very thankful that he came with me. Um, He didn't stay in the room with me. He went in with me like when they talked to me about it and like what they were going to do, but then he didn't stay in the room during the procedure. If if you want them to, I I think that's okay. It really depends on the doctor, but there was the doctor, the nurse, and then he had an intern. So it would have been really crowded if my friend would have stayed in as well. So it just, yeah. Anyway, so the nurse that I had, she was extremely comforting. She really helped me kind of calm down because she just kind of talked to me about random things. So I wasn't really paying too much attention to what was going on. But then um, once he started to take the biopsies, Um, it wasn't like the worst pain I've ever felt, but like it was uncomfortable. It's, it pretty much is like a big pain, like, or not a big pain, a big cramp. So like when you're on your period, you get cramps. So it was like a cramp times like five. So it was uncomfortable. Um, and for me, I actually had like what they call a vaso reaction. So because I haven't had kids before, my my cervix isn't really used to being dilated, um, and so they use vinegar. Um, so they use something to dilate your cervix. They'll put something on your cervix to dilate it, and then they'll put vinegar um, in and on the cells. And what that what that does is it will actually make the abnormal cells um, light up under the camera. So when they look with the camera, they can see the cells that are abnormal better, and so they know what to take a biopsy of. It's actually quite interesting when you're not the one getting it done, (laughs) you know. Um, But anyway, I'm also just a nerd. I like medical stuff, so yeah. So that's what they did, and then um, once he started to, I think it was the second biopsy into it, I started to get really nauseous and lightheaded and nervous. Um, And I felt like I was going to pass out. So, and what she, the nurse told me, the nurse was really good. She, she got me like a a cold face cloth. She got me some water. 
um, and she helped kind of calm me down, which was really good. I didn't end up passing out. It was all good. Um, but that is actually a fairly normal reaction, depending on if you've had kids or if you haven't. If you haven't had kids before, um, it is called a vaso vaso reaction. So um, your again, your cervix isn't used to being dilated, so it can cause. Um, I don't exactly know like what it what it means, but I I think it just means the blood can rush to that area. Your blood vessels will like constrict. Um, and it can cause, it just causes you to be like lightheaded and, and feel like you're going to pass out and then like nausea, things like that. So it is, it is a, a normal reaction. Women, it can happen to all kinds of women. So that, that was my experience. So what happens after that is they'll take the biopsies. You go home, they tell you, you might have a little bit of pain for the next couple of days. You can take ibuprofen. Um, I did have a little bit of cramping for the next couple of days, um, and so ibuprofen is helpful. Ibuprofen is actually something that helps with inflammation as well, so ibuprofen is better to take than um, like Tylenol would be, because Tylenol is just a pain reliever, where ibuprofen is a pain reliever as well as an anti-inflammatory. Again, I'm being a nerd, so just take ibuprofen if you ever have any like swelling or inflammation or anything like that. So they told me to take ibuprofen, went home. Um, I did have to wear like a pad for a day or two because you bleed a little. Um, but one thing I did notice is the next time you get a period after that, it will be really, really heavy. That is normal, um, but just keep an eye on how much um, blood there is. Like if you're soaking a pad within an hour, that's not normal. If you're soaking a, um, a pad within two, three hours, like, full-on soaking a pad, that is fairly normal, but, like, within an hour, a half an hour, an hour, like, I would just get that looked at, but it is normal for your next period to be quite heavy. Um, so then after that, you will wait about four to six weeks. Um, the lab will look at your results, and then you will get a call from your gynecologist, and they will tell you kind of what your next steps are. Um, depending on the types of cells um, that are found, if they are precancerous, what they will do is called a leap. So it is like a, a day surgery. Um, depending on the person, you can be awake for the procedure or you can, or they'll put you asleep. It just depends on how anxiety provoking it is for you usually if it is if it makes you really anxious they'll probably put you to sleep but my sister had it done and she was awake um because she's just really not like she doesn't get that anxious about things so what they do is they burn off the abnormal cells with a laser so um they will freeze you first and they'll kind of shave off and like burn off those inner parts um, or those abnormal cells off of your uterus, or your cervix, sorry. Um, so yeah, and then after that, I think my sister might have been out for like, she couldn't lift for like five days. It, she did say it was painful. She had to take like pain meds for, for the next like five days or whatever, but it's not like a, a very invasive surgery, but it is still surgery, so you do have to be kind of careful. To be honest with you, I haven't even really fully gotten my results yet. I know that they're not cancerous. They're not precancerous cells. Um, 
but I still haven't even heard from the gynecologist really what I need to do. But my family doctor did tell me they're non-cancerous. So, but I don't think I need to get the leap done. But I do think just because I did have an abnormal pap, it's normal that your gynecologist will send you for um, paps more often. So here in Canada, it's usually every three years. Um, but for me, it may be every every year now um, on, since I have gotten or like every six months since I have come back with an abnormal pap. So it really just all depends on what your gynecologist says. But um, yeah, but I think my main um, thing here is I don't want you to be very nervous. Like when, when you come back, when, when your results come back with an abnormal pap, I don't want you to think that the first thing is cervical cancer because that, that was what I thought. And I'm like, well, what did I do wrong? Like, why why does this happen? Things like that. And a lot of the time, abnormal PAPs are caused by um, HPV. So HPV is human papillomavirus. And so it is a sexually transmitted virus. Um, actually, their own... So there, there's a bunch of different types of HPV. So me, um, in middle school, um, they gave us a, um, an immunization against HPV, but it only covered the most dangerous types of HPV. So it covers the ones that can turn into cervical cancer. Um, so if you have that immunization, you're usually pretty good um, gauging whether, like I'm not saying it's going to save you from cervical cancer because you still can get cervical cancer, but um, there are, that is like, you do have a better chance of not getting it if you have that immunization is what I'm saying. So I was fairly lucky that I got that immunization. So, um, yeah, but when I went to the gynecologist, these abnormal cells were actually caused by HPV. So it was a different strain of HPV. It's nothing that I could have like changed. I guess the doctor did tell me the only thing that you need to be very vigilant about um, that maybe could have caused this that maybe could have caused it is wearing condoms. So you just you have to be very careful with wearing condoms because 95 percent of people will get HPV at some point in their life, but they don't like they won't have any symptoms. So if you have sex with somebody without a condom and that person has HPV, but they don't know it you may get HPV. Um, some of the strains are sexually transmitted, but others are transmitted, like, by shaking hands, like, just human contact. So, it really all depends, but most people get, get HPV in their life. It's, it can be worrisome, but it is very normal, but that's mostly what an abnormal pap is caused by. So, I don't want you to think that when you go in for an, like for colposcopy or things like don't automatically think you have cervical cancer because that's that's what I thought and I'm like oh my life is over I have cancer I'm gonna die like and me having OCD I have a lot of obsessive thoughts so that was something that I got stuck on because I was it was a fear of mine I was like I haven't really done anything in my life I don't, I'm not ready to die but it was <laughs> anyway that's another whole story I just want you to 
know that it doesn't mean you have cervical cancer. So just don't stress yourself out too much about it. Just understand the reasoning behind it. It could just be that you got you came in contact with HPV at some point. Just don't freak out. Don't freak out. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's kind of uh, my experience with PAPs and colposcopies, things like that. If you ever have any questions um, about anything that I may be able to answer, please let me know. Um, again, I'm not a doctor. These are just things that I've been through that I want to give you a little bit of insight on. My sister has endometriosis, so um, she's been through quite a bit as well, like the colposcopy. She's been through a leap, um, just things like that. She's had different types of birth control, so I've learned some from her, but then I've also been through my own stuff. So, again, if you if you do have any questions that I may be able to answer, um, please just let me know, and I would, I'd love to help as much as I can. And, yeah, like, if you ever are going through, uh, like, say, an abnormal pap and you're scared and you just need to talk, like, send me a message. I'm down. Like, I'm down for helping you through it. Like, just let me know. That's pretty much going to be it for today. I hope I gave you guys good information on birth control um, and as well as like paps and things like that. If you, if there's anything else like you want me to touch on in a further episode, um, let me know. I don't know. Like, so I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, and I'll see you guys in the next one. Bye.